What if I told you, listeners, that there's a way to log on to a particular website, answer a bunch of strategically poised questions, and the results of doing this help prepare an assessment tool. The results are going to give you a great foundation for what you could do for your next career move. I'm going to be talking with Elaine Piper from Ally Career Solutions based out of Nova Scotia, Canada on this episode of Career Podcast with Audrey Prenzel. Elaine, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. No problem, Audrey. Thank you for the invitation. Right. So, Elaine, you have been a career transition superstar for over a quarter of a century. The expertise and experience you bring to the table is phenomenal. So, you, of course, well, uh, maybe people don't know, are a military to civilian career transition expert. And that's near and dear to my heart, as a lot of people know. Your husband's a veteran. You have two sons who are just recently reached veteran status. Tell us a little bit about your service before we get into what we're actually going to be talking about today, Elaine. Okay. The services I provide, Audrey, are, again, helping people to determine what they want to do next from their military careers. Mm -hmm. And really, a lot of that goes into looking at transferable skills, and as well as I help them with their resumes and their LinkedIn profiles and their cover letters or applications in general to, you know, civilian employers. So I really meet them where they're at. So depending upon their situation, we're going to talk about what sort of career suits them best. And then also where they want to, where do they want to work and what sort of industry and who are the employers in that industry? So there's a lot of labor market information that a lot of military folks aren't familiar with because they've never had to really look for civilian employment. Right. So my role is to really help them navigate, inform, and help them figure out their next best steps. Well, and it is a well-respected, comprehensive service that you offer. And part of what you offer, and this is the reason why I chased you down to get you on Career Podcast with Audrey Prenzel, Strong Interest Inventory. People have sort of heard about it. It's been around a long time. But I'm not so confident that people truly understand the value of it and how it can help them. Can you just share briefly what what is the strong interest inventory? Well, strong interest inventory, just a little fun fact. It was developed back in 1927 by Edward Kellogg Strong. He's a psychologist in the States. Mm -hmm. And he created the assessment just after World War I to aid military veterans in finding jobs. So it's been around for over 80 years. (laughs) Yeah, it's been around for over 80 years. It's been tested and validated and its reliability been checked over and over and over again. So it is an awesome tool. And it really relates well to the online website, onetonline.org website. And so it certainly addresses it. We go back and forth to that website, which is a great tool to use with the assessment. And certainly the big thing about the assessment, it takes, it's 291 items or statements that you respond to. It takes 30 to 45 minutes to do it. Each question or each statement, there's five options. You need to choose one of the five. So you need to say strongly like, you're indifferent, dislike, or strongly dislike. And from that, the assessment comes back with, really looks at your career interests. So it doesn't measure skills or abilities, but it looks at what your interests are. And the okay. whole premise behind the assessment 
is that if you're if you are doing something you're interested in, it's more likely you're going to be good at it. You're going to be motivated to do it and that you really are going to enjoy and feel fulfilled doing those tasks. So, yeah. Well, and and it's it's one of it's it's one of the many tools that people could and should access if they want to get meaningful work, either whatever their next opportunity is or especially people leaving the military. So, at the end of the day, I it seems like people are categorized or the results by them answering these questions sort of channel them into one of five or so uh, personality types or characteristics, such as someone's perhaps very artistic or someone's strengths may be more social or someone might be more enterprising. So in, in terms of these categories, are people often surprised at what the results are? Sometimes they're surprised. A lot of times it confirms what they sort of already know, it verifies things for them, but it also helps them through the whole process because I say it's a product and a process in the sense of, yes, you do the assessment, you get the report back. But then with what I do with folks is I work six hours with you one-on-one for six one-hour appointments to debrief and make meaningful information out of the assessment and reflecting it back on the individual's career thus far. And so a lot of times they'll say, oh, well, now I understand why that secondary duty that I had to do was such a torture for me, or it was something I really dreaded doing because it really didn't fit my interests. It didn't fit like who I am. It's not just didn't feel good to me. But of course, I had to do it because it was part of my, my role. So they can really kind of understand and go, oh, well, now that I know that and I understand that, I'm going to look for things that I really like to do in my new role because you now have that opportunity being in the civilian sector and to try to find more of what you do like and less of what you don't like to make sure you enjoy the job that you get going forward. So a lot of times it's verifying to people. And, and once they start to look at it, they go, oh, I get it now. Like, I, now I know this and I'm not going to look for that. And, and if a job has that major comp- component to it. I'm not going to, you know, go down that road for that particular opportunity because I know I'm not going to like it. Well, right. And, and things have to make sense. They have, we have to be, there has to be great pay in something if pay is a motivator and there has to be availability for the position. But at the end of the day, we really should like what it is that we're doing. And I really like the way that not only do, you know, you as a service provider of the strong interest inventory provide the opportunity for people to participate in it, but you sort of unpack those results and give it context for them and help them move forward as what's a go or no-go in terms of a next step. So let's talk about, okay, so people get categorized and they they know their strengths and they know areas that are not of great skill or weak or strength or interest. How does this assessment produce results, if you will, in terms of compatible, perhaps, jobs? What happens there? What does that look like? Well, that's where we look at the the assessment utilizes 130 occupations that they've researched extensively, and that based on how you answer your assessment, then you will be, they go through the sort of criteria for those occupations, and they match you with possible occupations based on your interests. So in my own assessment that I did, because of course, being a practitioner of it and making sure that I wanted to use the tool myself, I came up as being highly social. 
So that was great. And then it also looked at, well, what sort of occupations would fit for me Mm -hmm. being highly social? And the ones that came up for me were things like human resources and training, teaching and education, (laughs) counseling and helping, social sciences. So it's kind of funny because, of course, I'm doing all of those things (laughs) in my current role. And so it it verified that, hey, I'm in the right spot, which is great. (laughs) Right. Uh, So it certainly looks at at that. And again, as I said, by using the the ONET website, one, it's onetonlineyeah.org website, we dig into the your code and the sense of your general occupational code further. And we really can, uh, I guess, explore further even additional occupations that would possibly match your, your, your interest code. So it's a very comprehensive tool. And as I said, it allows you to really start unpacking and really looking into what opportunities are out there. Then I work into the labor market information which again, for depending where you are across Canada, because I work with people across Canada. Right. And so if you're in Edmonton, what companies are in Edmonton? What's out there? So we look at the labor market information. We look at what sort of jobs are available in that area and what sort of companies are out there. And you have to start contacting the those companies and start doing that whole networking piece, which is a little scary for people, but they can do it. Well, and, and you're a guide along the side with that. So people yes. would be in good hands. So you, you've talked about the website. Listeners, I'm going to share all of the links to Elaine's website, to the websites that she's referencing, Elaine's socials at in the podcast show notes, and also wherever I'm going to be posting this podcast. So if you've written it down, that's fine. If you've missed it, that's okay. Um, Elaine, I, I'm scrolling through a sample one that you have sent me. And I mean, these are these are 10. Well, this one I have is 10 page PDF, full color. So this is a, a great tool for it's it's the takeaway, if you will, after doing the assessment, along with the information that you help people with. I could see this lending itself to being perhaps in a career portfolio. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you, the whole thing about the self-awareness piece, which a lot of people tend not like, not to like to do because it is a lot of mental work that you need to sort of need to reflect and, and, and it's mental work and people just generally don't like to do that (laughs) part of the, uh, the piece, but it really is important work for people to do. And if you have great self-awareness about who you are and what you can do and why you like to do it. That is a great selling tool when you're in interviews. And again, we use that information to help you formulate interview responses because of the fact of, you know, if you know, hey, you know, I am a person that I'm highly social. This is my category. This is the type of work that I like to do. This is why I like to do it. So, hey, I would like to be working in your organization because my values are similar and align with the, the organizational values that you're applying to. So it all makes sense. It all sort of comes around full circle. <laughs> but right. if you don't do the mental work first, then sometimes you're out there just applying for whatever you see and you're just getting into situations and then you may not be happy there and you're you know, creating conflict and people are having a bad experience. And then they walk away from that saying, well, that really sucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. And, and like anything, I mean, preparation is key and preparation means investing time and sometimes money and resources into yourself. So we can't be happy in our careers and feeling like we're in a great fit if we don't take time to reflect and do do the work. So I see this as a very 
viable um, exercise. I have seen over the years, people take portions of this and actually build it into segmented, highlighted sections within the resume. I've seen people pop segments or portions of this into their LinkedIn profile just for that little added boost of marketability. Sure. You can use this information in many, many ways to help market yourself. And it helps also with the mindset shift too from the military member going from like the we's to the eyes. So again, that whole mental shift needs to take place in order for the person to really market themselves successfully. So taking the time to do a process such as this really helps bring that person to the stage where they are there and talking about what their strengths are, what they want to improve upon, what is fulfilling for them, what is their motivating factors, why do they like to do this type of work. So, you know, these are all pieces that are very, very important when you're out there trying to market yourself to civilian employers. And they expect you to to have answers to these types of questions because they're going to ask you, well, why should we hire you? Like, Right. Yes. And you have to be able to answer those questions. So if you haven't done the work, you're going to be struggling to answer those questions. And it should just roll off your tongue, of course, like the split. Once you've done the work, you, you now know the answers to those questions. And you're absolutely someone who can help people along that journey. So Elaine, let's let walk me through and for our listeners who perhaps are not familiar, how does this actually go? If I was to do this test, what happens? What's the first thing that happens technically? Well, well, definitely. Well, of course, well, they contact me. I have to send them the link to do the test because not everybody, you can't get the test without having a, someone who's certified to forward you the assessment. So they'd contact me, they'd sign up with me. I would forward, forward them the assessment. They would take the time to do the assessment. And then, as I said, it takes 30 to 45 minutes to do it. And you try to do it in in a place where it's quiet and that you're not rushed and you have the time to think about the questions. You want to take the time to do it properly and not feel rushed when you're doing this sort of assessment. And then the results come back to me. And then I would contact the the client and we would set up the, the appointments to start the debriefing process. So usually weekly appointments and I there's homework in between. There's usually a couple hours of homework, could be one to three hours of homework with each to prepare for each appointment and each debriefing session. And then we go to work from there. So it's, it is, it is something that you have to be committed to, but the results at the end of it, like I said, it's going to give you a a very good transition plan in the sense of your career. And from that, you can, once you have a direction, then you can start making meaningful contacts and using your resources and using your network in order to get you to your end goal. What I am very appreciative of is the the experience behind everything you're saying. You're, of course, you're a certified resume strategist, the work experience that you have had. So we have your own private practice, but you've been in demand in many other capacities from coast to coast, literally. Let's talk about, just briefly, just so people can get another idea of, yes, we've got you as that cover letter LinkedIn career transition coach. And we know that you're offering the strong interest inventory. Let's talk about for a second when you were the creator and instructor for Dalhousie University, or as some people say, Dal, 
that open learning course supporting military members in career transition. What was that about? Well, actually, Dal, Dal contacted me. It's their open learning, so it's their continuing education sort of department. And they had wanted to add to the career practitioner certification that they offer a course around supporting military members in transition. And so I've been kicking around the Maritimes for a, lo- a long time now. So I'm well known <laughs> in the industry. So they contacted me knowing I'm a military spouse and, and asked me to put together a course for other career practitioners to learn a little bit more about the challenges and just the environment and sort of to help them understand a little bit more about the military culture. And so I've been actually, I'm doing that course this evening with my group. So it's ongoing. It's a 12-week course that is part of the Career Practitioner Certification through Dalhousie Open Learning. Wow. Okay. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And I'm not surprised at all that that Dal had reached out to you. So let's talk about what you do for people who aren't military. I, I know you have that capability and not everybody listening to this particular podcast will be military, will have nothing to do with Canadian Armed Forces or any military. Can you essentially do what you do for transitioning military for civilians? Yes, I can. Okay. It's very, very similar process, but as you know, there are some fine-tuning with the military members and the, the jargon, the language, et cetera, et cetera, the mindset piece needs to be treated differently. However, I do the same process with non-military members and spouses, military spouses as well. So you know, I, I can support the general public as well as the, uh, the military community. Right. And that's nationwide listeners. So what I also like is I, I, I've, I've seen some of the packages and things that you offer. I really like the, the way not only do your deliverables include a resume or an optimized LinkedIn profile, but I, I like the way you've added your commitment to the process, uh, critical thinking and reflection. Like you're in this, you're in this with your clients. You're not just shoving people through a generic process and spewing out results or documents. You really are invested in your clients, I think. Oh, for sure. I mean, their success is my success. And I certainly want to see them be successful. And I mean, that's the whole point behind this. I'm not, I I went away from working with other organizations where I had 130 people on my caseload for that very reason, because I couldn't really give them the attention that they deserved and required to be successful. So I said, I can do this better myself by taking less clients, but providing more in-depth services and making sure that they get what they need. So that's my, that's what I'm all about. And if I can't help them, I would certainly refer them to somebody that can, that could, if they need additional services that I don't provide. So that's very important to me is, is their success. And the other point is I have had clients also in Europe from Canadian forces members posted in Italy, for instance, and, and that sort of thing. So that's also interesting over there that my, my name's got floated over to Italy somehow. So that's great. <laughs> well, no doubt. <laughs> now, I just want to circle back around to a little bit more nitty gritty with this strong interest inventory. And I'm a details gal. I mm-hmm. like getting into figuring out how things work. So I am scrolling through this sample one that you have sent me and We did briefly mention that there are larger areas or 
groupings or characteristics that are present as predominant character traits for people when they do this assessment. I use the example, you know, I think you said you scored mostly social. Some people are artistic. I mean, that would never be me, but I would be <laughs> more, there's enterprising, conventional, realistic. So mm-hmm. when you when you get your result and there's a determination indicating which one or one area or two areas are your strongest suits, what I like about this is it's broken down into not just one or two sample positions, but I, I'm going to guess maybe 20 sample occupations per artistic category, like maybe 25 for social, like 20 for conventional. So it really is a very in-depth result that the end user can see. So the, the top one or two jobs that present in their strongest area might not be too enticing, but then there's going to be some more options. So I see this as being really comprehensive. Oh, it is because again, you know, as you mentioned, once they get their code and again, the code usually can be a combination of at least two, if not three letters in the sense of, so some people, depending upon how they answer the questions and whatnot, will score like a three combination code, which is great. And a lot of people, at least two, two of those factors are going to be their predominant areas of expertise or their interest areas. Mm-hmm. So then again, you take that code and the occupations that the that, that in, include encapsulate that code certainly come up on your occupational scale section of the report. And from there, as I said, well, it could be 20 or so occupations. The neat thing is, even though maybe your top one doesn't speak to you or whatever, again, this is meant to be suggestions. And then we start to drill down and say, okay, well, if you don't care and don't take the first one, look at the, your top 10 occupations. And let's look at those and really look at the different job descriptions based on those occupations. What aspects of that do you like? What aspects that you don't like? And then we can start really start determining where's the best fit for you and why. And a lot of these occupations, when you get on the website, they'll also give you related occupations to that particular one. So if this one occupation doesn't really suit you, let's look at the related occupations. Maybe they're a better fit for you. So at the end of the day, it's up to the it's up to the candidate. It's up to the client to decide which occupation seems to be the best fit for them. And, you know, it can be a mix and match type of thing. So, I mean, you really have to drill down and do that thought process and do that research. And research is a big part of this. And in order for people to know what's available out there, to know what sort of occupation would best suit them, to know also if they need to do any gap training or if they need to pick up any courses or certifications to help them be competitive for that occupation to go, you know, to be hired by an employer. So all these factors are really looked at within the context of the debriefing sessions that I do with, with the client. It's not just good enough to do the report and throw it at somebody and say, there you go, because you really need to unpack it in order to understand the value that it can bring and to make sure you're taking the right steps going forward, not just to go off on, oh, this is what it said. So this is what I have to do. That's not the case at all. This report is meant to be a starting point for an in-depth discussion and exploration process. It's not meant to be taken and just, well, here you go. This is what it says. You should do this occupation. So off you go. And it's very clear to me and to the listeners here that you are very invested in the process. And that's why people 
would need to work along with you with this. Over the years, randomly, I've had the occasional client come to me and through whatever means, someone did do the the strong interest inventory with them. They got the results and it was just, they just spewed them out to them. There was no context. They didn't know what to do with them. So what you're saying makes 100% sense. And it really is important for people to understand that there's an investment in this and your time, and it's going to be well worth it to work with you so that they can get what they want. And there's that whole process that you work alongside with them, but I feel like they're going to be in great hands. So I'm looking at some of these job titles and you, you know, this has been around a long, long time. I'm going to say that they do take the time to make sure things are very current though. So this wasn't something that was made in the twenties and never changed. I'm seeing things like computer programmer jobs that certainly weren't really around then. So this is pretty much updated consistently, I would say. Yes, definitely. The the strong interest industry profile has had, like I said, it's been around for over 80 years, but it's been updated every so often in order to make it current. So certainly the, uh, the folks that control the, the the tool certainly want to make sure that it's reflective of, of today's job titles and what's available today. So that, that certainly is done. And I guess the other point, Audrey, as far as for people paying for the my services, this plan or this package certainly is available to be covered under the education training benefits short course application right. if through VAC, if they so wish to, if they have, if they have that availability for to VAC, if they're connected to VAC, they can certainly apply through that short course form to have the fees covered. I will be posting links for that. You've shared those with me previously so that people can uh, access that coverage. I'm also going to share your website. It's allycareersolutions.com, A-L-L-Y careersolutions.com. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Elaine, thank you for joining me in this episode of Career Podcast with Audrey Prenzel. It's been a treat interviewing you. Thank you very much, Audrey. I really enjoyed it and I hope to talk to you again soon. Right. And so for our listeners, you're welcome to share this podcast with someone else that you think could benefit from it. And of course, leave comments, hit subscribe. If you'd like a PDF copy of my book, Military to Civvy Street, simply e-transfer $20 to audrey.prenzel at gmail.com. And I'll send you the link to download it. If you'd like to contact me for any other information, it's audrey.prenzel at gmail.com. Life can be challenging, my friends, until our next episode. Purposefully take good care of yourself. Mm-hmm.